Thanks for listening to the weekly Overflow Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon by Jesse Cup. For more information, visit overflowindy.com or visit us on Facebook at Overflow Indy. Sorry, I know that I know that it's going to sound kind of like yelling, and if it sounds that way, I'm not yelling at you. Just let's clear that one right now, okay? I'm just projecting my voice. And I've got a loud one sometimes. I know that from my, from my family. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, all right, as we all know, guys, things are crazy in this world right now. Things, it's a, this is a unique season like we've never seen in the world before. The, there's, the, there's the coronavirus that has shut the entire world down. That, this has never happened before. It's crazy. There, there's, um, there, there's all the debating and the, the, the stances on which side do you stand on whether, whether we should self-quarantine longer or this thing never even existed really in the first place and everything in between. There, there's people in different places and it, these things get polarized. And it's a, it's a crazy season where the world is getting polarized and there's, it's become like hatred amongst one another. And, and, and politics, like there's always been a political spirit, but it's never been as crazy as it is right now. Whether you're liberal or conservative, Democrat, Republican, or, or Libertarian, or whatever you are, like it just seems like there's this animosity. How many of you know that God's not in that? Amen? There's this murder of George Floyd this week. That's worked all of us up. That thing turned my gut upside down. I'm sure it did yours as well. There's just crazy, crazy things happening right now. This racism is like, we should be over this as a nation. That shouldn't even exist. And, and it happens on all, there, every, every race you can think of, there's somebody who has a reason to hate that people group. That's not okay. Everybody's been made in the image of God, amen? And, and, and it takes all of us together, together, to, to actually have a, an expression of what God actually looks like. It's crazy. And then these riots that's happening, like anger, and, and then it, it, it just, it, this stuff spreads like wildfire. The, the coronavirus and the, and the way that it spreads and how there's the concern about points of contact. And, and if you contact somebody and they contact somebody, before you know it, like a thousand people got something that one person had by a couple people they connected. It's a prophetic picture of how hatred and bitterness can happen. Amen? It's not okay. And thing, things look bad. And, and they're getting worse in the world. And Satan probably thinks that he's winning. Let's just laugh at that. Ha 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 ha! <laughs> Let's just laugh at that. that he, 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 sometimes he doesn't know how stupid he is. 
then he overplays his hand. Amen? How many of you know that anything that he tries to do, God has a, a, a plan that far surpasses that thing that's not only going to trump it, but crush him under his feet? Amen? I, wa- I want to say that you watch the news or you scroll through Facebook and it can bring your spirit down fast. There's hope. There's hope. Amen? There's hope. And I want to say this. We need an outpouring like we've never seen before. We need an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We need revival. How many of you know that God chooses imperfect people to fall on? He chooses imperfect people to flow through. Hallelujah. That means you and I are both qualified for this. Amen? God's not looking for perfect people to move on or to move through. He's looking for willing hearts and hungry people. Is there anybody in here who's willing to step into the things God has for you? Is there anybody in here who's hungry for more of God? Thirsty for the Holy Spirit? God is going to pour out His Spirit in proportion to our willingness to engage with what He's doing. Alright? He, he's going he's to pour it out in proportion to our willingness to align with His ways and the ways that He needs us to do it. He's not going to do it on our terms. It's going to be on His terms. Amen? And the way that God wants to pour out His Spirit is the way that He did it on Pentecost. He wants to pour it out on hearts and minds that are united with one another. United. He, he actually, if you, look, if you read through the Bible, the outpourings of the Spirit happen when people brought their hearts together. And they, and they, they let go of the worldliness that corrupts the body. Letting go of sin and idols and the things that, that, that cause compromise in the way we live and we think. And, and the people who are willing to abandon those things and repent of those things and press into the heart of the Lord together. It's the together. The, 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 the together seeking His heart, seeking His will, United. That's the landing pad for the Holy Spirit to fall on. Amen? We may never see unity politically. <laughs> but that's not where God's looking for it at. He's looking for it right here. In the body of Christ, at large, and individual. Right here in the family of God. This is where He needs to see it. And, and the, the Lord is powerful and He's amazing because He doesn't need the political climate to align for a revival and a reformation. He needs a people who are children of God, who are brothers and sisters to one another, loving each other well, loving each other humbly, and seeking Him first. Those are the kind of people he can, pa- he can fall on and pour out the Spirit on, and through that vessel, 
He brings change to the world around us. Amen? He's not trying to get an earthly governmental system. He's trying to get the, the kingdom of heaven in our lives and on the earth around us. Somebody recently told me that they thought it would be amazing for us to have church where it's in the middle and people are around it. You guys are behind me back there. You're kind of fulfilling that person's dream. The, this, this unity, the, the, the kind of context that God's looking for has got to start right here. It's got to start with me. It's got to start with you. Amen? It doesn't start with someone else. It starts with you. It's a, it's a personal decision. It's a personal decision that says I'm going to find other people who, who want this thing with me. And that we can want it together. And that when we find more people that want it together, we can collect ourselves and all of a sudden, this becomes corporate. And corporate unity seeking the, 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 fa- the face of God and the, the, the promise of the Holy Spirit, that's what He's looking to land on. Amen? I'm going to read you guys some stuff. i got some things on my mind today that the Holy Spirit gave me. I'm going to read out of Acts 1, because what is today, guys? Before Jesus, after Jesus resurrected from the dead, He was with his, his disciples for a little while. And then He ascended in the clouds to go back to heaven to His throne. But before He ascended, He, he, he gathered to them together and he said, he said, it's not, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in His own authority, but you shall receive the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't like to say that word passively. The power, the dunamis power of the Holy Ghost. You will receive that when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. And it goes on, it talks about how they watched Jesus go into heaven. And it goes on to talk about this in Acts 1, verse 13. Oh, let me make sure I'm going to say the right verse here. I'll start with verse 12. It says, Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. And when they had entered, they went into the upper room. Everybody say upper room. Where they were staying. Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot. And Judas, the son of James, who's missing there? Judas Iscariot. These all continued with one accord. Everybody say, one accord. In prayer and supplication with the women and Mary and the mother of Jesus and His brothers. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples. Altogether, the number of names was about 120 I'm going to stop there because what I want to point out is that the 120 people were gathering together in one accord, seeking God, praying, interceding in one accord, 
together, one heart, one mind. Come on. It's so important to God to see His people coming together in one accord. And the reason they were coming, the reason Peter stood this time is because there was somebody missing amongst the ranks. How many of you know that when, when Judas Iscariot betrayed Jesus and then he committed suicide, the team felt his absence? They felt their man was missing. All right? There's a gap in the family. Not everybody's together. And so they sought the Lord and they prayed who is going to replace him because they needed that gap filled. Why? Because God needs His family together. Amen? So then they, they, they ended up finding Matthias or Matthias, however you say it, and, and replacing Judas with him. But I want to go over to chapter 2 now. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord. Everybody say one accord. In one place. Come on. They were with one accord and in one place. That just makes me think about this COVID putting people in their living rooms separated from each other. We did the best we could with it, didn't we? And suddenly, there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing, mighty ruach wind of the Holy Ghost. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire. Can you imagine seeing fire with your eyes coming from heaven setting on each person? And and one sat on each one of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Everybody say filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. This is powerful. This is the day that the church was born. This was the day that Jesus tag-teamed with the Holy Spirit and said, Holy Spirit, You're too big for this one flesh body. Let's dump You out on everybody who will receive You. But But He's looking for the landing pad of the body of Christ knitting their hearts together, one heart, one mind, one place. Come on. That's powerful. Pentecost happened on united hearts. And I want to say this. Satan is scared out of his wits about God's plans for what he wants to do on this earth through a bunch of imperfect people. He's scared out of his wits. And if he can do anything to stop the move of God. He knows he cannot stop God. So what would he try to do but to break apart the fabric of the unified family of God so that it can't be that landing place that he's looking for? You guys hearing me right now? God's looking for one heart, one mind, one place, the body of Christ. He's looking for hearts that are together and knitted together and loving one another 
in unity, focused on the same thing. Okay? I want to talk to you this morning about four unity busters that the devil likes to use because I felt like I needed to address these. I'm not saying anybody in here would ever have any of these tempt you because you don't ever get tempted, all right? I know you don't. Only Jesus, I'm just joking with you. We all get tempted, and the enemy wants to do what he can to try to sow seeds and, and try to create rifts and divides in the church. And I want to talk about these things. I'm going to talk about four unity busters, but I'm going to talk about not just the problem, but the solution to the problem, okay? You guys good with this? All right, the first unity buster is disconnection from the fellowship of the saints. Disconnection from fellowship. That would be a, a major target the enemy would try to bring to the body of Christ is to get people disconnected from fellowshipping. That can happen in a lot of ways. It can happen through isolation. It can happen from disconnection and passivity. It doesn't necessarily even come from a bad heart. He just wants to try to get people physically distanced from one another. And, and in the Bible, it happened many times. And Satan thought that he had a great strategy to put persecution on the body of Christ so that they would be scattered abroad. He thought that if he could get them to where they can't meet together anymore, that he would lose the momentum of the move of God. But let's just laugh at that. Ha ha ha. You know why we can laugh at that? Because their scattering did not cause them to break the fellowship. It caused them to take the fellowship to other people and spread it. And if they couldn't have fellowship with the ones that they were familiar with having it with, they created it everywhere they went. Because they knew that fellowship was required to have the move of God in their lives. Alright? They knew that fellowship was part of how God spreads His kingdom everywhere that God wants to take it. Which is everywhere. <clears throat> Satan overplays his hand. He, he, he thinks that he thinks he's got this idea that he's going to break things up and God knows how to actually use it to make things multiply. He's pretty, he's pretty amazing. And, and I personally believe that this whole COVID thing is initiated by him. I, I believe, and I said this from the beginning, that I feel like his, one of his main strategic targets with this whole COVID thing was to try to break apart the body of Christ. I'm not saying that's the only thing, but I feel like that's probably, I would believe, probably number one. Because that's his biggest enemy on this earth. To try to, to try to break up the assembling of the saints so that people can't fellowship with one another. But guess what? God always has a way. And, and, and you guys did amazing, I feel, through this time, finding ways around the system. Alright? I don't feel like what we've been doing is sustainable for ongoingly. And, and I actually, I, I heard it said a few weeks ago that they're saying, oh, this might actually be another two years before we can regather. 
And I, I was like, God will never let that happen. It, this is a, yeah, we, we should have separated for a season for, the, for wisdom's sake. I, I feel like that was wise, but only for a season. Only for a short time. Noah was able to endure it with his family for a little bit. But he didn't stay on the ark, guys. <laughs> he had to get out and he had to procreate and, and create community again, alright? And, and here we are. We, the, the government has permitted us to meet. And we still respect those of you who are at home. And you're still a part of this. And we want to keep our hearts knit together. But we're, go- but we're moving back into the, the connection again. We press through it with, with Facebook Live services. We press through it with lots and lots of Zoom meetings. You guys in home groups met with your home groups on Wednesday nights so you could keep the connection and the fellowship. Job well done, everybody. You pushed through it, and, and we didn't let the enemy have a foothold on our church. And look at us right now. This is amazing. Give us a hand. Give everybody a hand. So good. I, I love this. Um, but I want you to know the principle of this. Because the enemy uses, he, he tries to separate people from, from each other physically and ultimately relationally. And he'll use anything he can, whether it be whether it be jobs that makes it to where you can't you can't connect with the family anymore, or or sports, or or family reasons, or or taking a rest. Those things are all fine; they're going to happen. But but we can't let those things rob us of the unity. Do you guys hear my heart? Are you sure? I might have to pretend like I'm still in my living room where I can't hear you and just keep going and not. <clears throat> the enemy will try to do anything he can to give us excuses to where we don't need to meet together anymore. We can't let him have an upper hand in this, okay? And you guys are not. That's why you're here right now. So I'm not saying this at you, but the reason I'm saying it is because I, I want us to be alert of his schemes. Because those are things that he tries to do, okay? What is the solution to that, to that unity buster of, of, of breaking fellowship or disconnecting? The, the solution is pursue fellowship. Very simple. <laughs> it's kind of a no-brainer. Hebrews 10.24-25 says, Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. I want to tell you that the context of this, this word, this, this, it's, he's almost begging us to don't give yourself an excuse to not connect with the family. It's in the context of the verses right before that that talks about how Jesus died on the cross to give us full access to stand before the throne of God boldly and enjoy that, one, that face-to-face intimate fellowship with Him in the heavenly places. From that context, He's saying don't forsake the assembling. Why? It's not so we just attend church services. That's not as, that, that is not God's end goal in this. And it's also not just to get together have fun with each other. Although fun is great, and please do it. Do it a lot. 
We want to have fun, but that's not the ultimate purpose. All right? The, the ultimate purpose is what it just says here. It's, it's actually about fellowship. And, and in the New Testament, the Greek word for fellowship is the word koinonia. And that's a real important word to God because it's not just about hanging out. It's about knitting hearts together. It's about the exchange of fellowship. It's about, I'm going to put, put some of my heart into you and I want you to put some of your heart into me and let's exchange life on life. Let's know each other after the flesh, but more importantly, after the Spirit of God. Amen? Koinonia. And, and it says that we're, we're getting together for the purposes, not just of getting together, it's so that we can stir one another up. I want to tell you something. It says to consider one another. Stir one another up in love and good works. I need to be stirred up by people. Alright? You need to be stirred up by people. And people need to be stirred up by you. It's an exchange. It's a mutual need and exchange in the body of Christ. If we don't do that, we're not getting that give and take flow of life that the Spirit flows from. Amen? So to exhort one another, and it says even more so as we approach the day, and he's talking about the day of, uh, for some it's a day of judgment, for others it's a day of full promotion in the kingdom, but he's saying as we get closer to that day, we need all the more to be pressing into this fellowship with one another. Amen? And, and uh, on Pentecost, they were together. On Pentecost, they were together. And if the devil can do anything to keep us separated, it's either going to cause that unity, that landing pad not to happen if it disassembles everybody, or it's going to land on those who do and whoever doesn't, they might miss out on what God's doing if they're not connecting in. And, and that's, that's a less of a threat to him. How many of you guys want to be the devil's biggest threat? I do. It's not, my, it's not my focus in life, though. My focus is Jesus and bringing His kingdom. Amen? Alright, you guys doing alright with me so far? That, are you sure? That was uni, unity buster number one was disconnection for fellowship. Unity buster number two, a disconnection from a sense of purpose. If we lose connection with the heart of what God's trying to do in our midst, then we're going to lose a sense of, of life. And that this is actually unto something greater than what we have right now. Alright? There can be a, a losing of a sense of purpose. When God puts a, a community together, He has a dream. That community is a seed. And it's a dream of His hope of the hope of His glory to be revealed in this earth. I want to tell you that you guys are God's dream. He has a dream in you. Individually, corporately too. And Overflow Church has, there's a dream stored in us that if we embrace it, if we keep connected at a heart level with what God has promised, there's an inheritance in this. And He wants to see the inheritance happen. And, and, and 
you know, it, it doesn't come instantaneously. He, he, it, it's something that's going to take, it could take decades. But every step forward is going to be stepping into more of the inheritance. We're going to see it manifest step by step by step. We can't lose heart. Because if we lose heart from the promises and the vision, we start finding ourselves wondering if the grass might be greener on the other side of the fence. Okay? If we start losing a disconnect with what God's doing, we might start wondering, maybe, maybe I'm going to find something somewhere else. And, and you know, God might call people other places, but I'm saying don't do it because of a loss of heart. Do it because God's calling you. But, but God calls people into a place and we might not see everything happen instantaneously. It's like everything in our lives. There's a journey. And He wants to get us deeper in it because more is going to happen. Does anybody, can anybody agree with that? Amen. So, and, and the tricky thing is when you start something new, there's a lot of excitement and energy on something new, kind of like when you get married. And, and there's the, what people call things the honeymoon phase. Okay? And, and Overflow has even had a honeymoon phase. But the thing that's tricky is sometimes people jump into things because of the excitement of the honeymoon phase, and, and it's not until you get past that, the, all the frills of it, and you start seeing, oh man, there, there's, there's actually, this is going to take something. This is gonna, it's not all going to be fun. It's not all going to be easy. And, and then the, the, the emotions lift, and then you, that's when the rubber really hits the road. Are, are we really in this? All right? Because in marriage, you don't really know, you don't really understand your covenant when all it is is just exhilaration. You start recognizing it when, when it gets tried. That's when you know I'm in this and, I, and I'm not going to let something stop me from being in this. Amen? But, but here's the deal. We, we, the only way we can make it through those things is to keep our heart connected with the promise. Keep our heart connected with the purpose of what God's doing amongst this. Because we need to love what's on the other side. It says that Jesus... Um, he, he, how, did, how is it worded? I wasn't even prepared to say this. That He endured the cross. Right? For what was set before Him. Right? The joy that was set before Him is what gave Him the ability to endure the cross. And there's something about keeping our heart connected with where God's taken us that can give us the power and the strength and the endurance to get through hardship when we're not feeling it in the moment. I'm preaching good right now, by the way. I, I'm encouraging me. Sometimes people lose endurance and that's natural and and it's okay i i have had moments of losing endurance at times but if we're not careful if we don't protect and guard our heart if we lose endurance and we're not keeping our heart where it needs to be connected to the mission and the purposes of god and what he's doing then then losing endurance can turn into burnout and it can cause us to lose heart okay Sometimes we need to take breaks. There's called Sabbaths. We've got to take breaths. 
Marathoners even have to take moments of stopping to grab water here and there or whatever. But, but sometimes adjustments need to be made because maybe, maybe we have too much going on and we've got to prune our lives so that we can get into the place of thriving. And, and we as a, as a body need to be able to, to be aware of one another and cover one another. And if somebody... <clears throat> Excuse me, if somebody is losing endurance, that we can surround each other and lift one another up and say, hey, we're gonna, I'm going to cover you through this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to strengthen you through this. I want to I actually lift some of that burden so that's not all on your shoulders. That's what a family does, amen? That the weight can get distributed so that it's not all on one person's shoulders. And this isn't a plea for me, by the way. This whole thing's not just on my shoulders. That's not about me. I'm just saying this in general. But we want to finish this race strong together. And it takes together to make it happen. Amen? On Pentecost, they were of one heart and one mind seeking the same thing together. They, They kept their heart. They endured through prayer for a long time. And they were praying and seeking the Lord for the promise. They didn't know what it was going to look like. And they didn't know how long it was going to take. But in unity, they kept praying together. Seeking and pray, praying for the same thing. Okay? They, they kept that sense of purpose. What is the solution to, to, to keeping ourselves from disconnecting from a sense of purpose? Well, it's simple. Protect your sense of purpose. You should have known that. I'm just kidding. It's to protect the sense of purpose. Guard your heart. Habakkuk 2, 2-3 says this, Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets, that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet an appointed time, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it. Because it will surely come, it will not tarry. This is talking about keeping the promises, keeping the vision, keeping the purposes that God has for us before our face. Reminding ourselves why we're in this. This goes for your personal life and it goes for us corporately. Okay? To remember these things. Because... It's for an appointed time. It's not, it might not be happening now, but it says it will speak for itself in the time. It's going gonna, it's gonna to break through. It's going to manifest. We're going to see it happen. Amen? And here at Overflow Church, we've been seeing things happen according to the promise. Incrementally, we're seeing it, and I love what we're seeing, and I want more of it. Is anybody else in the same boat with me on that? I want more of it. Sorry, Hebrews 10.23 says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for He who promised is faithful. God promised us something. He's he's asking us to hold on to what what He's promised and keep confessing it, keep declaring it, keep declaring your hope in what God's doing and and not waver. It's easy to waver when we start losing sight of what God's trying to do. But when we lock on, we keep confessing it and keeping our heart connected to it, we can trust this. He who promised is faithful. 
Amen? And our church vision statement, by the way, is our vision is to advance God's kingdom on earth by hosting His presence and raising up a healthy family of powerful revivalists who are advancing the kingdom. I feel like we're building towards that. But we've got to keep our hearts connected with what God's doing in this. Because the kingdom is coming. And we're going to see it continue to manifest in our midst. Amen? Alright, so, so uh, unity buster number two is disconnection from a sense of purpose. Number three, and this one's a big one. Satan likes to sow discord, strife, offense into the hearts of people. Alright? And we're seeing this happen at a national scale, like I was saying. It is crazy what we're seeing. Offense is driving all of these riots and it's driving this racism. It's driving these things. And Satan loves offense. Uh, offense. He loves, he loves to stir offense in our hearts to where we have... We're disgruntled and we're, somebody did something and I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm holding it against them. I can't connect my heart to them anymore because I let this thing become a wall between us. And it, it happens politically. It's been happening with people's stances on COVID. Like I said, racism, all these things. But I want to say that the worst offense is when a brother or a sister has an offense against one another. Can anybody say amen on that? And here's why. Because it's, our, it's the family of God. And God needs our hearts connected together. And if we let things offend us, it starts driving a wedge and it starts separating that unity that God needs for the Spirit to flow through. God doesn't want a body that has joints separated off and everything's falling apart and pieces of the body is all over the place. Do I look ridiculous? Well, that's how it looks to God. We need to be together. We need to be honoring one another. Each part needs to honor the next part so it can be together and function and make the rest of it work well too. Amen? Um, <clears throat> Judas... Iscariot. He didn't, he didn't determine to betray Jesus on a whim. It started with an offense in his heart. And it's in John 12. I'm not going to read it, but John 12, it talks about how after Lazarus was raised from the dead, he's hanging out with Mary and Martha and Lazarus and his disciples. And, and they're, I think they're feasting and and all of a sudden, Martha, or Mary brings this very expensive jar of perfume and she loves Jesus so much that she wanted to break it open and pour it all over Him and worship and rub it in His feet with her hair. And I think, it, if I remember right, I think it was worth a year's worth of wages. And Judas was Jesus' treasurer. Why would Jesus do that, Lord? Why? Why? He had a reason. But, but Judas, in his heart, was saying, why would this thing go to waste when it could have been given to the poor? And he let offense come into his heart. 
when really he just wanted to, rob, he wanted to steal that money. He didn't care about the poor. But he let a fence in his heart. And the next chapter, John 13, is when Jesus is saying that one of you are going to betray me. And they're like, who is it? And he's like, it's going to be the one who dips the, who, who does the bread, the, the way that he said. All right? And, and it, was, it was Judas. And it says that Judas, at that moment, that Satan possessed him. All right? What, what, and then he left and he, and he went and did the thing. He already, he already planned the arrangement before this, so the betrayal already started, but then he got possessed and he went and completed it. And I want to tell you, offense unattended. If we don't attend to offenses, it leads to bitterness. And if we don't deal with bitterness, then that can lead to betrayal. And if we let it lead us to betrayal, that can actually lead to demonic bondage. I want to tell you, offense is a big deal to God. It drives wedges in His plan even. It, 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 it can be stumbling blocks to God's hope of what He wants to perform because He needs us to make it happen. If we allow fences between us and brothers and sisters or anybody else for that matter, we're actually building walls that hold back the flow of the Kingdom of God in our lives. I, I, I want to say this again. Unattended fence, offense leads to bitterness. And bitterness leads to betrayal. And betrayal can lead to demonic bondage. Are you guys hearing me? It's no small thing. But what, but what do we do with this? Well, in 1 John 3.2, it says, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when He is revealed, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. This is saying that we're children of God. And that to God, we look like Him. Alright? To God, you look like Jesus. But when you see Jesus, you start becoming to look like Him too. And we need to know who we are. But just as importantly, we need to know who our brothers and sisters are. Sons and daughters of the Most High God. And in Genesis 1.27, it says God created man in His own image. In the image of God, He created him, male and female. He created them. And we need to be able to look at every person and, and value them and honor them as someone who is created in God's image. And that goes for every race, by the way. We need to be able to look at each person and see God's image in them. And as brothers and sisters, we need to value each other as God's kids and therefore our brothers and sisters. John 13, 34, Jesus said in 35, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, and as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. What a profound statement. It's like the most simple thing that Jesus asked us to do. And He said, if you do that, the world's going to be able to see Me on you. Why, why is the world not seeing Jesus as much as they should be seeing Him in the church? 
It's because of offenses. All right? We, we need to do well with our hearts towards one another. I, I, for the sake of time, I'm not going to read this full next passage, but it's Acts 2, 42-47. It's after Pentecost happened. Peter preached. Thousands were added to the number of their church that day. And then at the end, it talks about how they would gather together daily and they would break bread with one another and they would, they would adhere to the teachings of the apostles and miracles were in their midst. And it says that, it says that they went from home to home. So they'd meet together corporately and they'd also meet in people's homes. They'd break bread and it says, I want to read this one verse so I don't, I don't say this wrong. In Acts 2, All right, Acts 2.46. So continuing daily with one accord. Everybody say one accord. In the temple. So that, that's, the, that's, the, that's the communal fellowship. And breaking bread from house to house. So that's the more, the more interpersonal relationship. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. How many of you guys believe that these people probably... We're enjoying the revival and the fellowship amongst one another. That word, simplicity of heart, simplicity in the Greek does not mean simple-minded people. Alright? It's not talking about being simple-minded. The Greek word, if I can say this right, is aphelotis. Aphelotis. And that word, when it says simplicity of heart, aphelotes of heart, is, it means sincerity, singleness, simplicity, without guile or duplicity. And it actually comes from words that mean no stones amongst them. No stones. So simplicity of heart, it means singleness of focus. That's that unity but it also means no stones in the hearts, which means no stumbling blocks. These people were, were intentional to not allow stumbling blocks in their hearts towards one another. In other words, they kept short accounts with one another. They didn't allow the space for offense to take in their hearts. You guys hear in my heart? Jesus trained us how to, how to manage our hearts and connections with one another. I, I heard this about the girlfriend of George Floyd. What happened to him, none of us would ever say was okay. We all know that. And, and I would say that the outrage of anger is justified. But I want to say this because... People are saying that George Floyd was actually a Christian with a good heart and he loved people and he loved helping people. His girlfriend said that George would want the community to foster forgiveness for those responsible for his death just like she believes that he would do. Can you believe that? 
that his girlfriend wanted to encourage the people who were angry and rioting to forgive this atrocity that happened. Only Jesus could give a person a heart like that. Jesus was dying on the cross and He said, Lord, forgive them. Because <laughs> they don't know what they're doing. If we want to have unity, we've got to have a heart like that. On Pentecost and thereafter, they gave no room for offense. Koinonia is not just being with one another. It's not just knowing each other. It's, it's pressing into one another. It's connecting the heart with one another. It's forgiving one another. It's working through things with one another. It's covering one another. Do you guys want to be the church that Jesus has dreamed of? I'm asking this question. I want, I want, you, to, I want you to hear me asking this question. Do you guys want to be the people that Jesus has dreamed of us being? Because it means that we've got to put our hearts into it the way He has called us to. Amen? We've, the, solution, the solution to the, to the strife unity buster is, pr- is practicing the simplicity of love and grace. Alright? We can't let petty issues divide us. I'm not even saying all the issues that divide are petty, but, but they're petty compared to the principalities that need to be torn down from us. We've got to get over the things that get the wedge between people so that we can link arms because God has called us to be a church that, that crushes Satan and brings the kingdom of heaven onto this earth. We do not have time as Christians to have offenses towards one another. There's a mission. Jesus gave us a commission to change the world. And if we let these things get in our way, we're holding Him back from using us as His vessels. We don't have time for these things, guys. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. We can't let that happen in our own hearts like that. The final unity buster I want to say, and this will be short, but it's the most important one. The final unity buster that the enemy tries to sow into the church is to get people to not focus on enjoying the presence of God together. And I want to say that the presence of God is the most important thing of all. Alright? Unity is not just for fellowship. It's to give God and heaven a place to land. Are you guys... Are you guys petering out on me? Because <laughs> this is fourth point here. This is my last one. The presence of God, guys. That's the most important thing. If we can build our fellowship and our unity around His presence, then He comes amongst us and He's the one who transforms us. He's the one who does these things. It's what happened on Pentecost. They gathered together not just so that they could have a church service that gathered together so that His presence would pour out on them and fall on them and bring revival to Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. Can anybody give me an amen on this? I'm going to finish with this, with this verse here before we, we close in prayer. It's Psalms 133. There's only three verses. Behold, 
how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Now that word dwell means to dwell. It doesn't just mean get together. How good and pleasant it is for the brethren and the sistren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil. Come on. Who is the oil? It's the Holy Spirit. It's like the precious oil upon the head, running down the beard, the beard of Aaron, who was the high priest who stood in the presence of God in the Holy of Holies. All right? It's, he says it's like this, running down the edge of his garments. It's like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing. How many of you want God to command His blessing on you? Well, this is how it happens. And it says life forevermore. See, this, this passage is talking about the, the, the body of Christ coming together in unity. And to God, He sees it the same as He saw the high priest going into the Holy of Holies before His throne, the Ark of the Covenant, where the Kabod Shekinah glory filled the place and they couldn't even see through it because the cloud of His presence filled that room. And He said when people gather together in unity, it's like the anointing of the Holy Spirit pouring down on them. And the Lord sees the body of Christ in unity like a high priest in the Shekinah glory. Oh my God, I feel that. Thank You, Lord. He pours a Spirit and the anointing on us. It runs down the beard of Aaron. It goes down the robes. It's the unified body of Christ standing in the Holy of Holies. How many of you know God has given us full access to the heavenly places and to stand before His throne of boldness and grace by the blood of Jesus? But He needs us as a unified body coming together so that we can encounter His presence together. Hallelujah. Can anybody say amen? amen? Come on, why don't you stand up and we're going to pray. Thank You, Lord. Yeah, I, I ask You, God, to just to move on hearts right now. In Jesus' name. And I, I just want to ask everybody right now to ask the Holy Spirit um, if there's any of these points that I said that He wants to highlight that might, might have been happening in your heart in present season or recent. The first one was, I'm not going to talk about the unity busters, I'm going to talk about the solutions here. The first one is pursue fellowship. The second one is to protect the purposes of God in it. The third one, Practice the simplicity of love and grace towards one another. The fourth one, prioritize the presence. I just want you to let the Holy Spirit, I want you to ask Him right now, Holy Spirit, is there any of these areas that, that you need me to repent of or to realign with or just to just step into a greater value in it? Just ask the Holy Spirit if He wants to show anything into your heart. 
I'm not going to have you come in front of everybody in an altar call, all right? It's between you and him right now. But, but the way that it responds will be between you and the body of Christ. So just asking, I'm going to say these again. The, number one, pursue fellowship. Number two, protect purpose. Number three, practice simplicity of grace and love towards one another. Number four, prioritize the presence. I'm going to give you a moment. Holy Spirit, I pray that you'll stir hearts right now. God, I believe that we are a church who does well with these things. I don't believe that this was a a word of rebuke. I believe it was just more of a word of let's be aware of the enemy's schemes and reinforce ourselves so that we don't ever fall out of out of step with any of these. And I, I ask you, Holy Spirit, stir hearts. Take us deeper into you. And if there is anyone, Lord, who needs to align or adjust, that you'll that you'll make it clear and that you'll extend an invitation of of grace in this, Lord. And Holy Spirit, I pray right now that you will fall on us. In Jesus' name. I want to say something. I meant to say this at the beginning. I know Pentecost is today. And, and we could have focused fully on just the fire and the wind and, and all that. But I felt like God was telling me we've got to really build the groundwork of the unity because that is, a, that is a required precursor to the great things that God wants to pour out. And the more we come into that, the more we're going to see the outpouring happen. And I, I just I felt like today God wanted to focus on how the, all the ingredients worked out for Pentecost to happen on that day. So Lord, we pray in Jesus' name, Lord, that Pentecost does not have to be limited to one day a year, God. It's supposed to be a, a lifestyle and a standard to live from. And so Lord, I just pray corporately that You'll do what You need to to knit us together in a powerful, deep, rich, and healthy way. And Lord, as that happens, Lord, we're going to experience the intensifying of your presence and your power flowing in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen.